welcome, friends, to the court of the Trashy Royals, where we assemble once more to talk about our betters behaving badly throughout history. My name is Stacy. Hey, friends, Alicia here. Thank you for joining us today for a, another tale of naughty nobles. We have one more from the Romanovs. Let us get to Tsar Alexander II, who sets Russia up like it needed any help for the whole next pack of trashy royals in history coming for you. Alex II is the guy who, uh, I'll give you a hint here, his death changes everything in Russia. So that's at the end of the story. Oh yeah. We got a little trashy to get through first. Before we anon over to Alex II, some of y'all have asked, we got a new fun thing rolling over here. If you would like to support Trashy Royals in this podcast idea we're doing, Stacy, you have big news. Several of you have mentioned that you do not like ads on podcasts. Relatable. We are rolling out a Patreon for Trashy Royals. We weren't going to do this originally, but you have asked and we do what you say. So patreon.com slash Trashy Royals podcast has a $2 tier. That is all there is. And you can listen ad-free to your heart's content. Back to back to back. Show your support. Two bucks a month. Easy peasy. Thanks, everybody, for, again, tuning in and recommending us. I'm so excited about this episode. Let us anon to liberator, reformist, and assassinated mm. czar Alexander II. They all meet bad ends. Okay, Stacy. I know last week we took a little bit of an interlude with Grand Duke Nicholas, mm -hmm. but the episode before that was Tsar Nicholas I, Nicky, the one. Now, he had died, right, after being a reign of strict autocracy. He was not the greatest ruler Russia had ever seen. No, not a liberator. Remember, he's ashamed of his loss in the Crimean War, and at the time of his death in 1855, his son, Alexander II, becomes the next Tsar of Russia. And the, I guess you could call it ping-pong ruling style of the Romanov dynasty mm -hmm. will continue on, never fear. Now, the groovy thing about Alexander II, he's not terrible, really. In many ways, he's the opposite of his father in his own ideas about government and how to rule. Do you remember a while ago that Catherine the Great really, in that council she pulls together, wants to emancipate the serfs? Yes. Well, this descendant actually does it. Hmm. It is Alexander II who emancipates the serfs, which are the largest percentage of Russia's population. Oh, sure. It was just, it was basically the population that, Correct. Was, that was not nobles. Yeah. So he... So Alexander fulfills his great-grandmother's dream, I think, which is fantastic because of this. He is called Alexander the Liberator. Cool. That's, That's a good title. Especially in Russia, right? Yeah. We haven't had a whole lot of liberators so far. So Alexander just kicks 
tail. He sets up political and social reforms. He will give the power to Russian people way more power than they've had in the past, way more power than his father Nicholas I would have ever allowed into his brain. Alexander the Liberator, right? Also, even better, Alexander believes in modernizing Russia. And his thinking is, hey, our serfs who have been subjugated for so long are never going to be able to prosper in an industrialized world, which in this period of time is coming Mm -hmm. for you. It is on your heels. Alexander II feels that until the Russian population was... Everybody sit down. Educated. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. The country would stay in chaos and upheaval. Alexander thinks the Russian people, I, I hope you didn't stand up, should also, controversial, have a voice in their own government and laws. I don't know where he's getting these wacky notions. I think he probably found one of Catherine the Great's journals somewhere back in a shelf and was like, mm-hmm. hey... These aren't terrible ideas. (laughs) Alexander II once said, The vote in the hands of an ignorant man without either property or self-respect will be used to the damage of the people at large. For the rich man without honor or any kind of patriotism will purchase it and with it swamp the rights of a free people. This is the second half of the 19th century, correct? Correct. Okay. Seems like a better late than never situation happening here. I'm sorry, folks. I got so excited about this story. Let me go ahead, Stacy. That's a great point. Let me baseline here. Alexander II was born on the 29th of April in 1818. He was born in Moscow. Remember his parents, Nicholas I of Russia and Charlotte of Prussia, Alexander II assumes the throne in March of 1855 from Nicholas I. There's the benchmark of your year. Sure. Still good time to uh, introduce some, you know, basic human rights, freedoms, democracy. Well, he's getting it from somewhere. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the cool thing about Alexander II. So let me tell you what else he's got going on in Russia before he begins to visit in Europe for a little bit. Alexander II, with all of this, the vote in the hands of an ignorant man without property or self-respect, and the rich man will honor without any kind of patriotism, Alexander II is going to reorganize the judicial system, number one. Number two, he abolishes corporal punishment. Interesting. He, number three, sets up elected judges. Elected judges? Number four, universal education. Wow. It is so, so appalling that that only came to Russia after 1855. Yeah, in the early, yeah, yeah. Appalling. Appalling. But, I mean, Alexander the Liberator, those are only like four of his many, many progressive reforms. He is popular. He is gentle. He is fair. Another little fact here, Alexander II is also the czar who sells Alaska Hmm. to the United States in 1867. All right. But Alex II doesn't get on the throne of Russia without, you know, doing a little time on a grand tour. So when he was a young man, Alexander II charms Queen Victoria. 
on a visit to London in 1839. All right. When he was, he was quite a young man then. He's 21. Yeah. And Queen Victoria's 20. Mm. And Alexander II will stay with Queen Victoria for quite some time. Hmm. She, Queen Victoria, was a prolific diary writer, journal writer from a young age. For any of our friends and who like the Victorians, stay tuned. We're swooping back in with them for you next week. But here at this time, when Alexander II visits Victoria, she writes, I like him exceedingly. Now, no love match is in the cards for Queen Victoria or Alexander II because, well, she was already the Queen of England and he was heir to the Russian throne. Each of them in their lives would have to marry someone who would be able to devote themselves to the service of the country of their spouse, which neither Victoria nor Alexander Wright would be able to Sure. But they've met, and they know each other, Mm -hmm. and remember, Victoria is named for his ancestor, Alexander I, in her Victoria Alexandrina name. I want you to start tying together the English and Russian threads within this story, because... Because... It all there comes are, back around. There are many, and yet yeah, it ends up being sort of historically significant uh, down the road. As a young man, though, April 28, 1841, so Alexander would have been uh, on the eve of his 23rd birthday, he marries the daughter of Grand Duke Ludwig II of Hesse. Her name is Marie. And the good thing about this, like, you're just, we're walking in the field of Russian sunshine and flowers, right? Alexander and Marie are in love. They would have eight children together. This doesn't stop Alexander from having many affairs and mistresses, but... Well, of course. (laughs) Alexander and Marie as spouses, as a team, as a partnership, they remain close and loving. Hmm. One of their daughters, Grand Duchess Marie Alexandrinova, would end up marrying one of Queen Victoria's sons... Prince Alfred, Duke of Edinburgh, in 1874. The ties are coming. Everybody's connected in ways that you may or may not know, but all will be revealed. Right. Just spreading that hemophilia gene far and wide. (laughs) Let's take a break now. Get in a quick word from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to come to you, Alexander II's scandal and assassination. We'll see you on the flip. Okay, so for once, Russia seems to have a pretty stand-up guy in charge. Tell me about the scandals. Little bit of a major scandal here with Alexander II. Remember, he's married to Marie Mm -hmm. and loving marriage and eight kids, and they're bonded in the partnership of all things fruitful. Sure. See, Alexander II has a second morganatic marriage to Catherine Dolgorikova. See, Catherine and Alexander became lovers in 1866. Okay. Which is great, I guess, unless you're Marie. Catherine and Alexander also have four kids together. Can you define morganatic marriage? I would love to define morganatic. Thank you for asking me. Morganatic marriages relate to or denote a marriage in which neither the spouse of the lower rank nor any offspring, any kids, have any claim to the possessions or title of the spouse of the higher rank. Okay, but so Marie is still with us, though, correct? Like, he is married. Oh, yeah. 
Oh. Marie's still married. Oh. So this is bigamy. So here comes the scandal part. Oh, boy. In 1880, Alexander moves Catherine and their four children into the Winter Palace to live with him. Now, they've been together now since 1866. It's 1880. 14 years of a long-term love affair for kids. But, oh, yikes. This is not a gentlemanly move under any circumstances, really. But considering that Marie is still alive Mm -hmm. when he does it, dying in the Winter Palace of tuberculosis at the time. Oh, God. I can see why this turned into a scandal. It gets pretty dicey. You really understand that the children from his marriage to Marie Mm -hmm. are, right, they're a little upset. They're not fond of Catherine or their half-siblings. At this time, it really is a court and a family divided. Poor Empress Marie passes away June the 3rd, 1880. And like the next week, Catherine's pulling up with her all her furniture or whatever. No, she's already U-hauled in. Oh, God. Okay. Right? She moved into the Winter Palace before Marie's death. But to Alexander's credit, at least he takes um, like a month and a half to marry Catherine. Oh, God. Yeah, I can see why his kids were... Not thrilled. On July 18th, 1880, Alexander II marries Catherine in a secret ceremony, which scandalizes everyone and everything and just sort of rocks the the system, not only because it violates basic decency, but it also violates the Orthodox Church's requirement of a minimum of 40 days of mourning. Oh, wow. Okay. Between the death of a spouse and a new marriage. Right. 40 days just seems like just that, a, that's fair. Yeah, 40 days seems like a just a nice, respectful interlude, uh, even if... Scandal. Right. I, Alexander the Liberator. Yikes. So word gets out. Now, now that he's got an educated populace and uh, people with agendas, as always. Word gets out. His country... Even foreign courts hear about this. And Alexander's sort of in cancel culture, right? Like people who normally praised the very popular liberator Alexander II are now very critical of old Alex. But he doesn't care because Alexander's in love. He knows this marriage would have to be morganatic, meaning I, you, you're not entitled Catherine or kids to any of my privileges. Right. This You're not going to be an empress. You, you're yeah, not going to you get will, a title. You will never be empress of Russia and your children will never be czars or whatever. Yeah. However, Alexander II, he's so in love. He will give Catherine the title as a new bride of Princess Yurovskaya and will officially legitimize all of their children, making mm-hmm. them prince and princesses too. So, okay. morganatic marriage. What's that? Sure. (laughs) So Alexander, after quite a interesting ride as as a ruler of Russia, we are in Russia after all. So over the course of his life, there were several assassination attempts on Alexander II, which I don't know is a little bit odd to think about considering how much he sought to and did liberate the people. 
However, as more and more assassination attempts happen, Alexander, like his forefathers, become a little bit more repressive. Mm. He fears for his life. Hey, maybe I've been a little too loose. And you have to know that his, I mean, he's looking at a long chain of other czars assassinated. Oh, yeah. And you wonder whether the paranoia of the Romanovs might actually have been an inherited condition or just something that crops up if you run Russia long enough. Well, and every one of your fathers gets assassinated at some point. Yeah. It's not going to work out well. Friends, it does not work out well for mm-hmm. Alexander II on March 13th, 1881. So just right oh, after wow. marrying Catherine, mm-hmm. a little revolutionary terrorist group called the People's Will were finally successful in their attempt to kill Alexander II. The People's Will threw a bomb at his carriage, which does not kill Alexander immediately, but he will shortly die from injuries from that assassination coup plot. Now, a little bit of an interesting thing here, and this is one I want you to just stitch on a post-it note somewhere to have stuck around because it really is all going to come together. I want to tell you about the aftermath here of Alexander II's assassination. One of the primary members of that revolutionary terrorist group, the People's Will, and really one of the major organizers and plotters of the murder of Alexander was a 21-year-old named Alexander Ulyanov. Ulyanov was the bomb maker, as well as the main ideologist uh, manifesto writer of the group. Initially, all of the conspirators were sentenced to death for their role in the murder of the Tsar. Seems right. However, the new Tsar, Alexander III, who we talked a little bit about last week in Grand Duke Nicholas, Alex III is the son of Alexander II. He pardons all but five of the most involved members of the group. Hmm. Ulyanov was not pardoned. He and four others were hanged for their roles in the assassination on May the 8th, 1881. Alexander Ulyanov's execution increased the fervor of his younger brother, who would make it his life's purpose to overthrow Tsarist Russia. Younger brother, little little baby bro dude, believes that an all-out revolution, sparing none who resisted, would be necessary and long past needed. His name was Vladimir Ulyanov. The world knows that guy as... Vladimir Lenin. Vladimir Lenin. That's exactly right. I forget his middle name. It, it, is, it starts with an I. It all is going to come back around, but here with the death of Alexander II, now we got Vladimir Lenin pledging lifelong revenge Mm -hmm. for his brother, and that's only one thread in the story coming up. Russia's future at this point really does begin to become sealed. The gelatin is in the mix, the jello is coming together in the mold here. Because Alexander the second son, Alexander the third, takes over, and he's not anywhere near as liberal as his father. So what happens? You've had a people used to reforms and freedom and education, and now they don't have that. So it's not a surprise that unrest and rebellions are increasing, and the country is moving closer and closer and closer to revolution. 
it would be less than 40 years from the time of Alexander III's assassination until the last Romanov ruler would also be murdered by revolutionaries, which brings about an end to the Romanov dynasty. Mm-hmm. Alexander III's heir, so we go from Alex II to Alex III to Nicholas II. Nicholas II has zero desire or inclination to be a czar. So when Alexander III dies earlier than anyone expected, Nicholas II was forced on the throne in a very rushed and unprepared sort of way. Nikki too quickly marries the woman he had long been in love with. This is Princess Alex of Hessen by Rhine. Princess Alex is the favorite granddaughter of Queen Victoria. Sure. And had been warned not ever, ever, ever to marry into the Russian royal family by her grandmother. I mean, good call. Really good call because unhelpfully and problematically for Alex, the Russian people do not like her. Hmm. As Empress, Alex would have a major impact on the future of Russia and the tragedy in her family Alex gives birth to four daughters before finally bearing a son and heir. This mm-hmm. is Alexei. And it would soon become obvious that Alex had inherited the hemophilia gene. Yep. And it had passed on to the young Alexei. Leading to a sickly heir. Throwing her into despair and acting out of desperation. Yep. That would become a major part of the downfall of mm-hmm. the Romanov mm-hmm. dynasty. One of... Empress Alex's acts of desperation was befriending a mythic and self-proclaimed holy man who she believed with all of her trashiest heart could cure her son. Grigory Rasputin. It's like you've seen this film before Mm -hmm. and I didn't like the ending. It's such a bubbling, toxic, and, and yes, desperate. I mean, this poor family and boy, their end is just deeply tragic. Okay, so we've set up Rasputin, Lenin, Alex III, Nicholas II, Princess Alex, the four princesses, Russian Revolution set up. Post-it note that somewhere. Mm -hmm. Because in future episodes, we are going to be rolling back to the Victorians to bring them up to this stage in our story and then go a little bit more global. Sure. God, I love the trashy royals. We will get to the Bolsheviks ending the Romanovs. Absolutely. Like all of these stories and more coming for you on the next trashy royals. I mean, really so much trashy history. So many trashy royals. So little time. I don't know. I feel like there needs to be a trashy crown for Alex somewhere. Just moving in the mistress when your wife is still alive. Yeah, that's bad form, man. That is so, yeah. Well, she's dying, you see, so just... It's just rude. Just because she may not even notice. She's very busy with her tuberculosis. She dies in jail. She's not even... Know, it doesn't even take her I that know. long to die. You couldn't have waited two weeks before you hitched up the U-Haul carriage? Alas. Alexander II, that was a really good try, bro. Mm. Good job on trying to manifest... Some of the ideas from your forebearers. You get a trashy crown somewhere because that was kind of nasty, but... mm. I mean, A plus on universal education, though. Gotta love it. Voting rights? Mm -hmm. Never hurt anybody. Except for Alexander II. Yikes. Anyway, friends, thank you so much for joining us today 
for this particular tale of Trashy Royals. We are going to be back across Europe, backing up the bus into the court of the Trashy Victorians next week. Don't forget, you want these episodes early and ad-free? Patreon.com slash Trashy Royals Podcast. Literally just got set up today. Brand yep. new. So that's something for you to try out. As always, thanks for spending your time with us. Telling your friends and fellow podcast enthusiasts for your kind ratings and reviews. We can't wait to see you back next Thursday or before when we get Victorian. Oh, and it's so good. Until then, polish up those crowns. Keep your eye on the throne and know your enemies. <laughs> I just found my sign off. I love it. Oh, there you go. All right. Big love, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.